Welcome to the Brain Gain Youngstown Leadership Series Podcast. Each week, we'll learn from leaders who are driving change and making an impact. Now here's your host, the CEO of the Youngstown Publishing Company, Jeff Leo Herman. Today, we are speaking to Mark Melandro. Mark is the Vice President of Operations for Science at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Is that correct, Mark? Absolutely. Did I get that right? You got that absolutely right, yeah. All right. Well, and and for those of you who've not met Mark, he is not only a YSU distinguished alumni, but a resident, a born and bred in Brookfield, right? <laughs> Both of us. So He's we got have that, something in common, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that badge of pride to wear. But no, I I tell you what, I still have a lot of uh, Brookfield stamped all over me as far as kind of the way I operate day to day. So, Mark, th- thanks for joining us on the podcast today. You're one of our first diaspora that we're speaking to here on the podcast, someone who's gone out and made made a big impact on the world with your roots right here in the Youngstown market. So, Mark, do you want to give us a quick overview of uh, kind of who you are and what you do today? Sure. Um, I got trained as a scientist, and uh, that actually all started at YSU. Um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and ended up taking a biology class and uh, one thing led to another. And I found out that if you could work in a lab at YSU uh, as a student worker, they let you schedule first so I could actually get my classes, which was fantastic. And uh, met a great guy. His name was uh, Dr. Anthony Sabota, who took me under his wing and really got me um, into and a love for, for sort of biology and science. And so I stayed there through my bachelor's and master's and then went on to the University of Florida to get my PhD. And um, so I've been grounded in science and everything I'm doing. And so this role here at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative was the ability to give uh, not just funding, but to partner with technology at the sort of interface between biology and computing. Um, and give a significant amount of resources uh, in areas of unmet need for basic biomedical research. And uh, so it was an interesting sort of once in a lifetime opportunity to be at the sort of earliest stages of building blocks of a, of a new charitable organization. And it was just, it's, it's really great. And so we fund uh, basic biomedical science all around the world. Um, and as I said, one of our differentiating features, other than just giving money, is being able to partner on the, the sort of technology platforms, data sharing, data analysis, data visualization. So trying to accelerate science and uh, trying to accelerate science for all scientists in really an open uh, and uh, uh, freely available public sharing environment. And so it's, it's really a, a great and interesting place, and I'm happy to be there. Fortunate. Absolutely. So at the intersection of science, technology, analytics, visualization, uh, solving big real world problems. Now, did you at the time say when you were growing up and we often ask our guests, did you think you'd be doing this as a, as a child when you're kicking around Brookfield? Did you, did you even have any that's, idea? That's the problem when people keep asking me that. What can I do to prepare for this? Uh, absolutely nothing. I had no idea. My original <laughs> thing I wanted to be was a radio DJ. And uh, I actually did that and worked at uh, in the region WWIZ when it was there, WOKG when it was there, uh, Z Magic when it was there. And so I wanted to be a disc jockey. And so started down that path and then probably had maybe 10 majors, uh, like I said, before uh, Dr. Sabota got his hands on me and showed me that, that, that this could be a path. So I had absolutely no idea. 
Um, I always had a, a liking for science and math. It was something I was always good at, but it wasn't something I knew or thought I could make a career in, particularly a career that wasn't just like being a professor. And so it was a way of, of getting into a space and then sort of maneuvering around and taking advantage of opportunities as they come up. But I would have never guessed I'd be doing this in a philanthropy. So then the role of an educator in your life was extremely impactful, right? So that one person, there's, there's that, you know, one person that kind of got you off in that direction. And then obviously you had to work hard to get there, but. He was, he was the one in college and there was one um, in uh, junior high school. And you may remember his name. His name was Mr. DeJulia. Uh, oh yeah. Taught... Yeah. Math teacher. He was a math Fantastic. teacher. Exactly. He was yeah. a math teacher and um, he gave me a, a, a love and appreciation for math that I didn't have prior to that. And so between him and, um, and uh, uh, Dr. Sabota, they're the ones who really set me on this course. And like I said, I, you know, I thought in order to do something, you needed to be a professor. And uh, so I kept going to school, kept going to school, uh, because it was a way at that point in time, you could actually have a fellowship and it was like a, a career to go to school. Um, but if it wasn't for them, I would, wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. Yeah, a middle school math teacher, I believe he was seventh grade math, if I remember correctly. He was seventh Dynamic, grade math, exactly. Mm -hmm. Tough. Hard. He was tough from what I recall. Very demanding. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. But, uh, Very demanding, but but fair. Um, and also, I think it was, he was one of the first to set expectations, I think. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that, it, you know, you either set expectations high or low and your people are going to end up meeting those. And so um, it was that expectation setting to him that that the difficulty didn't matter because he he wanted you to do well. And, and he would take you on the journey as as long as you were willing to go on it. Um, and he was just he was amazing. Right. Now, in, in your work today, day to day, do you refer back to Mr. Dr Mr. DeGioia or, or Professor Sabota, um, as far as your leadership style and philosophy today? Um, I would say yes. What, I, it, from a, a mentorship perspective and from an empowering people perspective. So I'm a 100% believer that in personal relationships and in hiring good people and, um, and empowering good people. And so they were the ones who taught me that even that, that smallest thing, that thing you could think of, when someone asks you something, you, you do it if you can. When someone asks you for your time, you do it if you can, um, because that could mean so much um, uh, to those people. And, and, you know, it's what I said, you know, I gave a, the commencement address at YSU a couple of years ago. And it was that thing we talked about uh, uh, Professor Sabota again, and it was, uh, you don't realize that you're, you could actually be making uh, a difference in some person's life by just doing something very small and very simple um, and having the ability to focus, you know, uh, what I do on that and focus on people, um, you know, I found for at least for me, I think it works very well. Right. And that does build the community because what I think what you're saying is what I hear is a, maybe a small investment in your time could amplify mm -hmm. and provide an exponential uh, impact on someone's life. You may not even, may or may not even know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and they may be the person you need to rely on in the future as well. So I don't believe you do something for someone with the expectation of a return. You do something for someone because it's the right thing to do, because you can help and potentially empower that person. And if it comes back full circle, great. If not, it was well worth your time to be able to do that. That's fantastic. So what, um, I guess, what big problems are you wrestling with today? So what, you know, looking at the scope of your work, uh, what big problems are you wrestling with and, and did your upbringing or your education here help you prepare your, to wrestle with those big problems? Um, I think like everyone else, we as an organization are trying to wrestle with uh, thinking about what life after, after the COVID pandemic looks like. So we pivoted a lot and we're funding a lot of research, uh, still are, um, and taking a, a lot of our focus and work towards COVID. Now that it's in post-COVID days, what does it look like? How are, how are we thinking about um, participating in, let's say, an international surveillance effort that can spot this the next time um, or whatever comes next? Um, so I would say what we're like in a post-COVID world, as well as what, what the office looks like. Right now, we're trying to figure out whether or not uh, we'll be going back full time, or is it going to be flexibility, or what does that look like? Um, uh, I think one thing that that I always learned, uh, you know, from the region was sort of a work ethic, and I think that work ethic is something that that I try to not only not not necessarily instill in people, but but try to to foster the fact that if you're willing to work hard, it doesn't matter where you work, it doesn't matter how you work, just do your work, and uh, you know, the honest day's work for an honest day's pay is a is a cliche, but it's absolutely true. You can't have a distributed workforce working from home and track what people are doing every day, every hour. What you have to do is you have to trust that they have enough of a work ethic to be able to do that themselves, to be able to focus on these are the tasks I have to accomplish. And my situation is different from your situation, but we're still working to accomplish those same tasks. And I think because of, you know, sort of the the, the, the manufacturing and, and, and a lot of the, the blue collar economy that was, you know, Youngstown, Mahoning Valley, Brookfield, when we were growing up, um, it, it really taught me to appreciate that and, and to trust people um, to have that same work ethic. The other thing is that uh, when you talk about the challenges we have is, are the challenges right now with um, sort of handling and thinking through and working through big data. Um, Big data is not just a problem of technology companies. Big data is also a problem of, of life sciences and medicine. And, and as people uh, have the ability to accumulate more data, they have the ability to accumulate videos where they had pictures before. Um, really, the, the how data is handled, moved around, analyzed is something that, uh, that everyone's going to need to focus on clearly for the next several years as well. The Brain Gain is a collaborative effort, and we'd like to thank our headlining sponsors, including Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. Also included are Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, the Mahoning County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of the Mahoning Valley. I am a
going to ask you kind of uh, on the lighthearted note, say you're, you know, when you're in California and you say you're from the Youngstown area, what reaction do you typically get? If at all? Um, I, I guess, uh, first and foremost, they think Rust Belt um, and they think about sort of who we used to be rather than what, what Youngstown is and what's becoming. Um, but it gives you a great opportunity to teach people, um, to teach people sort of where the region is going rather than where it came from. Um, mm -hmm. And then I do tell them that my, you know, yes, my grandfathers and my father worked in a steel mill. Um, and so it's uh, telling them about the transformation of the region by necessity. Um, also telling them about the transformation of what uh, YSU means to the local community. Um, and how sort of, you know, I was in Pittsburgh for 14 years, sort of how Eds and Meds transformed Pittsburgh is something you see uh, in Youngstown. So when I tell them things like the Youngstown Business Incubator and some things like that, um, they just, it's a, it's a great way of opening people's eyes uh, to sort of um, uh, thinking about the region in a different way, where if they never asked me the question, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Right. Hey, and have, uh, have you heard of the term Voltage Valley yet? Have you seen that uh, hashtag splashed around? I have. I have, which is an interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's something that we we speak to a lot around here. But but I, mm -hmm. it, it, you're right. It's using the opportunity to educate people on where we're going versus where we've been. And uh, just from your perspective, I mean, you you're closely associated with our region here but have an out, you know, an outside view looking in. So what potential do you see uh, relative to things like where, you know, when I say Voltage Valley, obviously we refer to the Lordstown Motors, we refer to GM, LG Chem, Joint Venture, Ultium Cells, and the, the potential development in, in uh, the EV market. So what perspective do you have or what do you see kind of from your, from your purview? Um, I, I, you know, I see, the the importance of of relying on regional strengths um there can be no competition the competition isn't within uh, the region the competition is outside the region and the more people focus on how we can all lift the region together i think that's important even way back to you know people taken aback by when america makes uh was able to come into the region it was like you know why there um but i think uh, leveraging uh, shared strength, shared focus is absolutely important. Um, and like any other region, there has to be two other very important things. There has to be investment capital, and then there has to be ta talent. Um, and that talent has to be willing uh, to, you know, to, to both move there, but more importantly, stay there. So how can you, how can you show people who graduate from the, the uh, from YSU and other schools in the region that this is a great place to stay and here's why, here's the potential, here's the future. And if you stay here, we will build an infrastructure and ecosystem around you that will support you. Um, so you don't have to go looking for where's the next company I wanna work for. It may be that entrepreneurship is something that you can think about. It may be that, you know, grabbing onto what, what is next for the region is something you can think about and I'll have help and there'll be people here who, who are doing the same thing as me. Absolutely. And even uh, to that end, uh, you know, fostering a culture of entrepreneurship, even the opportunity to work at large global organizations, but reside here because we'll still take the tax revenue, right? And your kids still mm -hmm. go to school here. And, and they're, they're, so they, I think the pandemic um, sounds like you've studied the future of work. Uh, the pandemic 
has an outcome has been the opportunity for someone to sit in Ohio or in Western Pennsylvania, but, ha you know, have a global impact, a global role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'm, I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh uh, and my, you know, my family is still from, lives in Brookfield, lives in the region. Um, you couldn't tell where I was uh, right now. And I think that's going no. to be the nature of work going forward too. You're not going to be able to tell where people are. And the more people lean forward into some sort of flexible work environment, uh, the more they're going to choose places uh, that, that have other things in them other than uh, the place where I have to work. And I think that's an opportunity everyone needs to seize right now. It's how do I empower those people who, are, who want to stay here to be able to stay here? Um, you know, yes, we can rely on, on you know, a, a, a cheaper cost of living and things of that nature, but making sure the investments are in the schools, the investments are in sort of the, um, all of the ecosystem that someone would want to be a part of. Uh, I want to live here because I choose to live here. And that's going to be what the, uh, the future is going to be. I choose to live here. Right, right. And that's actually uh, good to note for business owners, because, you know, there's a, war for talent. And so companies that reside here in this region in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania do now have to compete on a global level for talent. So it's, it's not simply people within proximity, but uh, there are a lot of options. So that, you know, therein lies investing in company culture, investing in, you know, the work-life balance and, you know, or is that something that the uh, Chan Zuckerberg initiative focuses on company culture? Absolutely. And it, it has changed uh, with respect to COVID, but company culture is really, really important to us. Um, since we have, you know, three separate initiatives, trying to keep connection between those initiatives has always been a little bit of a challenge. Um, having a workforce that is everyone from newly graduated people to, you know, old people with gray hair like me at the same organization requires some effort to be able to do it. But we intentionally try to create those opportunities. And that's what really uh, with remote makes it difficult is because the, you know, the unintentional has to become intentional. You're not gonna run into someone in the hallway. You're not gonna do that. So you have to really intentionally think about that culture building. And as long as you take um, those times that are, are, are face to face to really, really uh, be intentional about connection. And if you think about over, the, over communication, um, I think it leads you through this um, as good as can be. Um, you know, I know at the beginning of this, everyone was thinking we have to Zoom for everything. Um, but now it's the point where a phone call actually feels a little bit even more intimate when you're not seeing right. someone on the, on the screen. I'm, I'm talking to them on the phone, which is, you know, which everyone has been doing for years. So I think it's just evolution of, of the way connectivity looks with the focus, though, of making sure that you can maintain and sustain those sort of person-to-person uh, -person interactions because it's it's the people connection that are going to make sort of the company culture, um, you know, sort of flow from there. That's true. That's true. Uh, do you, you know, to close out our conversation here, do you have, say, a favorite leadership quote or something you refer to that guides your efforts day-to-day? -day? Um, yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of them, but, uh, you know, there was one from uh, Bill, uh, Bill Bradley who was, uh, a senator, he played for the Knicks, and he said that you know leadership is really unlocking people's potential to make themselves better. Um, and the way you know, sort of, I work within our organization. The way um, I try to help people is trying to make people better. 
um, because if you make them better, they're going to make you better. They're going to make the organization better. And so that has always been um, been one that I really like. The other thing is I really learned to really appreciate uh, Adam Grant. Adam Grant is a psychologist and he's a faculty member at UPenn um, out of Wharton um, and has a book called Give and Take. Uh, amongst others. And give and take really is talking about why helping other people succeed actually makes you succeed. And so if everything I do is about empowering other people um, and in doing so, um, having them propel you uh, as well. And so, yeah, Adam Grant, um, his podcasts, as well as his books, are, I, I, I try to read as much and hear as much from him as I can. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, Mark, you've been very generous with your time today. Certainly great to hear from somebody that's, you know, born and bred here and making a big impact on the world. So um, to close out, uh, is there a good way for people to get a hold of you, stay on LinkedIn or some other yep, place? I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn and that's good. Uh, also get a hold of me um, by email as well. It's mmalandro at chanzuckerberg.com. I'm happy to connect and talk. Uh, um, and, um, you know, try to help as I can. Thanks. Appreciate your time today, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today, because together we're building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development. So if you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Your feedback is very important to us. We want to make the show better all the time. And if you would like to give me direct feedback, email me, please. My email is j-h-e-r-r-m-a-n-n at business-journal.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. And lastly, would love to thank the members of the Brain Gain Coalition. Those headline collaborators include Farmers National Bank, Sweeney Chevrolet Buick GMC, the Mahoney Valley Manufacturers Coalition, and Southwoods Health. And joining them are members of the coalition, including Eastern Gateway Community College, PNC Bank, the Moransky Companies, MCCTC, the Mahoney County Career and Technical Center, the Youngstown Business Incubator, Simon Roofing, the DeBartolo Corporation, Youngstown State University, and Junior Achievement of Mahoning Valley. Without them, none of this would be possible. So thanks again for joining us today. And remember, together we are building a culture of entrepreneurship and promoting workforce development.